Hello, everybody, and welcome to the JWB Fantasy Football Podcast. He's Justin. I'm Wyatt. And on today's episode, we're going to be doing a preview for week one of the NFL season. I can't believe it's here. Justin, how you feeling? I feel great. We're going to have football in 48 hours from now as of the time that we're recording this. That is incredible that we've made it this far. Through all the uncertainty and the doubts and wondering if the season was going to happen, everybody's pretty much got all their leagues ready to go. All the important drafts are tomorrow on NFL Eve. Here we go. Let's do it. Yeah, I, I don't think I've been this excited for something in a very, very long time. I agree with you on that. It must be like all the pent-up need for sports from so long without anything. I'm more excited for the beginning of this season than anything that I can remember in like the past decade. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's get started with some NFL news. This past weekend was the NFL cut down to the 53-man rosters. Uh, a lot of a lot of nobodies, you know, getting cut. Oh, I don't want to say nobodies because I don't want to make light of people losing their jobs. But for fantasy reasons, not too many relevant names. Some ones that I thought of, you know, Adrian Peterson, Mohamed Sanu, DeAndre Washington. Do these do anything for you, Justin? Yeah, those bunch of bunch of Hall of Fame nobodies there, <laughs> and Adrian Peterson. <laughs> but from a fantasy perspective, um, maybe a little bit. Like, I guess if I break it down in, in all honesty, it's not as if I'm not going to pay attention to AP in Detroit. Who knows? Yeah, what, what do you think about there. that? I think that Detroit is consistently a mess and that, you know, I think that Adrian Peterson at any point is one injury away from taking over a job and proving to all of us again that he's a viable flex running back if you have to. Um, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised to see Sanu end up somewhere where he – makes the team practices and then all of a sudden he's playing and we're asking if he's worth owning. Um, and then even though it's not fantasy relevant, can I just say like on the side that I'm shocked with Washington, what in the world happened there? I, I don't know. I, I was surprised as you, I, perhaps he was just not very good. Maybe it was just that he was outperformed so much by the other guys. I mean, Daryl Williams was getting snaps ahead of him leading up to the cutdown. So, right. Just with, especially with Damian Williams opting out, that one, that threw a curveball at me just from a football perspective. But I, I think we made it through cut down weekend without any major casualties. And I guess we should mention, right, that it's not just keeping an eye on AP in Detroit. If anything, it is just skyrocketed Antonio Gibson up draft boards, who was a sleeper for us all season. And Very it was true. just a question of how much work is he going to get. Now it's just his job. Yeah, I mean – I still think that to at least start out the season, like I'm not expecting him to get too many touches right out the bat. Uh, I think, you know, Peyton Barber will have a decent role to start. But yeah, like I, I, I think he has every opportunity to be the guy there now for sure. Right. I think I had remembered saying right after the Fournette trade that I had liked targeting Gibson because I thought he was the last remaining guy that was going to get 10 touches a game until Fournette got traded and Armstead turned into that guy. Now I think Gibson might be the lowest drafted player who has 12 to 15 touches a game. I would still say that if he's out there, Armstead is a 10-touch-a-game kind of guy, but what's up with Raquel? Yeah, so he is back on the COVID list, which is interesting. I, I believe he has yet to actually test positive 
for COVID-19. In fact, only one player tested positive for the coronavirus in the last testing period. It was not Raquel Armstead, but he must have come in contact or been very close to somebody who had tested positive. So it looks like we're not getting Raquel Armstead, at least for week one, which is interesting because there was some buzz surrounding James Robinson uh, leading up to this. And he's actually listed as the starter on Jacksonville's depth chart now. Seems like a trap, and Chris Thompson's going to have himself a 30-point game this weekend. Yeah, I, I'm still on Chris Thompson, but it, it's going to be interesting to watch and see what happens, what happens with uh, James Robinson here. Yeah, I'm with you. But I think, you know, it's not a slow week, but with the lead-up to the season, you know, there's not a whole lot to go over, especially if this is what the COVID list is going to look like going forward, that there's very few people on it. So let's let's hope our COVID roundup from week to week is about as short as it is today. Let's get into some matchups. So the first game of the season is going to be Kansas City and Houston. For this, we've got a rematch from their playoff matchup last year where Houston jumped out to a big lead, and then all of a sudden Kansas City just came storming back and poured it on them. It's also going to be the debuts for David Johnson with the Texans, and we've got Clyde Edwards-Alaire for Kansas City. We're going to see what those guys are going to do for their teams. What are you thinking, Justin? So I, I think that first we should take a moment to kind of set the stage here that e each week, especially after this week, we're not going to focus too much on what we think are the studs that you should be playing every game. So let's just go ahead and put out there why we're on the same page. If you have Mahomes, if you have Watson, go ahead. If you have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, if you have David Johnson, go ahead. Tyreek Hill, go ahead. Kelsey, go ahead. Right? Right. So for me, I think it's just a question of if you're looking at Brandon Cooks and Will Fuller in your flex position, this is probably a week where they ought give you something against Kansas City. And on the other side – and I guess maybe this is where I need more help from you. I, I'm, I'm not as good with defensive personnel as you are, but what am I expecting out of McCole Hardman? Am I playing him this week? I don't think we can start him right off the bat because we do know that last year, uh, McCole Hardman was not very productive while Tyreek Hill was healthy. Now we're projecting that to change a little bit this year. We expect him to have a bigger role even when Tyreek Hill is playing, but I would want to wait and see that that comes to fruition before I would reliably put him in. Okay, I would buy that. I think that then Hardman is going to fall on a list of, I, I don't really have another way to phrase it, but he's going to fall on a list of guys that I, expl I expect to flex at some point. But there are a whole bunch of dudes who are owned on teams that might only be healthy for the first three or four weeks of the season, and they're going to be much higher in people's flex consideration this week while you have a chance to play them. Uh, somebody like Chris Thompson would probably be on that list. So just let's put a little bit of value to this for everybody who's listening. You have one spot left on your team. It's a flex decision between either playing Chris Thompson or McCole Hardman in a PPR league. Who are you playing? I'm playing Chris Thompson. I think I would agree with that at that point. But Cooks and Fuller, I feel pretty comfortable with. Are you on board with that? Yeah, I think to put a pin in this uh... – if you have Will Fuller on your team, you better be playing him because this is why you drafted him. If you're not going to play it's him true. here, then why is he on your team? You know, like, exactly right. know that he's only going to be healthy for a certain number of games. He's healthy right now in a good matchup. You better play him. Otherwise, Unleash you waste your draft pick. Yeah, I'm with you. All right, let's, <laughs> uh, let's take a look at Seattle and Atlanta. Yeah, so we're about to see. Will Russ Cook, will Mr. Unlimited finally get to be Unlimited? We've also got to see, get to see the uh, Todd Gurley debut in Atlanta. Justin, what are you feeling about this one? 
I think this is going to be one of the must-watch games of the early season. Honestly, I'm so intrigued to see how Seattle and how Atlanta both look. Um, again, I think your guys who you ought to be playing are definitely playing here. Chris Carson, as much as I dislike him, is a full go. Same with Todd Gurley. Both quarterbacks, Wilson and Ryan, should be full plays. There's no reason you should consider putting a guy like Lockett or Metcalf on your bench. You got to play Jones. You got to play Ridley. I would even go so far as saying you absolutely have to play Hunter Hurst in this matchup as well. Would you be on board going that far? Oh, I, I think absolutely, because Seattle was uh, the second worst team against defending tight ends last year after Arizona. So I you, I, you have to start Hayden Hurst this, this week. Right. And then just a quick note here, because I have said all offseason that I don't have a lot of faith in Chris Carson. I would not be looking to play a guy like Carlos Hyde this early in the season just to see right. what he does in this matchup. But I'm assuming if you drafted Chris Carson out there that he is your running back one or two. If he's not and you're thinking about having to use him as a flex position because he's the third guy I took, I'm going to recommend that you play him this week just because I do think that this is a game where the personnel and the way that Seattle's going to have to play means that Carson's going to see a fair amount of work. And as far as I'm concerned with Chris Carson, I'd play him this week. Let everybody in the league see you play him in hope that you can trade him in the next couple weeks after he starts out hot before that falls apart. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And I also want to give a little mention to Russell Gage, who I think in very deep leagues or leagues where you're playing more than the normal amount of positions, might you might want to take a peek at because we do expect this game to be pretty high scoring. And I would expect Atlanta to have to throw the ball a lot. Russell Gage could happen to walk into like seven targets here. So it's possible he's got like some low-end flex value in deep leagues. Yeah, or potentially is that guy where you have to fill in a spot on your daily fantasy roster on Sunday? Right. And you're trying yeah. to figure out what do I do with no budget? I could see Gage being a very popular name at that spot as well. That's a good call out of you. Yeah, so our next game are the Jets against Buffalo. We've got a battle of some first-round QBs from 2018. We're also going to be get to, getting to see Stefan Diggs in a Buffalo Bills uniform for the first time. What do you think about this one, Justin? I am pretty excited for this game as well um from a stud standpoint let's just go ahead and put it out there the jets don't have one so everybody on their team is going to be in play for this conversation uh but let's not forget that the jets defense is quite abysmal with the trade of jamal adams and the opt-out of mosley right so i think you have to play josh allen even if he's your second quarterback i know for most people he's their qb1 but i think this is definitely a week where josh allen goes off I think this could not be a better circumstance for Diggs to make his debut. I would not really be too worried about Singletary if I had to play him. This definitely strikes me as one of those matchups where even if Singletary is only going to get his 10 touches and they're all in between the 20s, that he still does something with them. So I'd be comfortable playing him in this matchup. Don't know, Wyatt, that I'm ready to say let's put Zach Moss in flex positions yet. Hopefully Zach Moss is a guy who you have as your fourth fifth or sixth running back, but I don't think I'm quite there with Moss. Everybody else, though, I'm, I think we're good to go. Yeah, I, Moss is borderline for me. I I could see it, uh, especially in uh, deeper leagues. I Like you said, I, I the Jets' defense is just going to be abysmal this year, so you expect Buffalo to be able to get into the red zone often, and we've heard that Moss will be the goal line back, so there's a very good chance he's, he scores this weekend. I also want to touch on for the Jets. The only guy that I'm really interested 
to, uh, for this week is Jamison Crowder, who last year in two games against Buffalo caught 22 passes combined between those. So I would still have him in, but everybody else I'm probably laying off. I, maybe Le'Veon Bell. If you have Le'Veon Bell in your roster for whatever reason, you probably need him. Well, I think we definitely need to pump the brakes there on that one then because in almost every single league that I've been in, Le'Veon Bell represents the number one or the number two running back that that particular person has on their roster. Um, I, so I think here, let me give you a couple of names, right? Like Le'Veon Bell's been going in the fourth, fifth round, and people are looking at him as a reliable guy that they're going to play every week. In later rounds, I've seen people take names like Singletary, like Mostert, maybe James White, Tevin Coleman, Tariq Cohen, especially in a world where David Montgomery is banged up. All of those guys are names that I think I would put ahead of Le'Veon Bell, not just because I dislike him, but because I also think that this is an awful matchup for him. Yeah, very bad matchup. I mean, I, I do think he is flex-worthy. I guess part of my point was, like, if you did actually draft him, he's only, like, flex at best. At best. And I would really consider sitting him, especially if you're in a PPR or a half PPR league that's going to pay you for any catches. I would maybe take, like, a fourth or fifth receiving option on my team ahead of Le'Veon Bell just because I do think, like, what are you going to do? Like, he could have 18 carries and only get 40, 45 yards, Wyatt. And without a right. touchdown, that just could be his day. And it might be no fault of his own. It might just be that the Jets are bad and the Bills are good and the Jets don't get to run the ball as much as they want and the Bills have a great rushing defense. So even at the beginning, it could be rough. So let's just, before we move on, let's make sure we impress upon everybody, have a lot of extra caution with Le'Veon Bell this weekend. Don't be surprised if he gives you a five, six, seven pointer and you're not happy. Yeah, I mean, like, he he probably has a very good chance to score, like, 11, 12 points, but is that enough for you? I don't know. For our next game, we've got Chicago versus Detroit, where Mitchell Trubisky managed to keep his job, I guess. And we're going to have to see what happens in Detroit's backfield with carry-on versus DeAndre Swift and Adrian Peterson now. It's going to be interesting to see what happens there. Justin, how are you feeling about this game? I think this is the most up in the air out of all the games. Like, is Chicago good again? Has Detroit gotten better? Is Chicago's bad offense going to come out against an improved Matt Patricia defense and lay an egg? I don't know. I think if ever there was a circumstance, right, where fantasy owners were going to get what we really want, you know, we may see two quarters of Mitchell Trubisky and then two quarters <laughs> of Nick Foles if it goes the way I want it to go. It just isn't good news for any Bears players that you have on the offensive side of the ball. Um, but I do think we kind of need to dive in here a little bit. It, Stafford is a popular late round pick, especially for people who've been doing what we preach, which is to wait on quarterbacks. Is this the type of matchup where you want to roll out Stafford? It's borderline because Chicago has a pretty good defense, but Detroit has done well against Chicago recently. That's a tough call. Is there any reason that you wouldn't play Galladay or Marvin Jones? No, I'm still. If I have them, I'm still playing them. In fact, uh, Marvin Jones has played very well against Chicago recently, so I don't have a problem with that. If you drafted Galladay, you're without a doubt playing him. I don't think you can sit okay. him. I think the same goes for Allen Robinson, even with Trubisky. If you have him, he's a stud. You got to use him. Yeah. If you have what about Allen Anthony Robinson? Miller? What about Anthony Miller as a flex play? Anthony Miller is definitely interesting. I could see that happening, but. Uh, I want to see the Chicago offense more before I trust Le uh, Anthony Miller. You know, we both like it, liked him as a as a late round sleeper, 
but I do I do want to see some action before I want to put him in my lineup. Let me ask you this: Is he lining up as an outside receiver or a slot receiver? He should be slot. That's where that is what he should be. He wasn't playing enough of it last year because of Taylor Gabriel. But after Taylor Gabriel got hurt last year, is when uh, Anthony Miller started to actually perform, and he's expected to to play the slot this year. Okay, because I'm curious how the Bears are going to target that rookie cornerback who I think is starting for the Lions. So there's I mean there's a lot of interesting uh, Jeffrey Okuda. Lines. Yeah, that's exact. Thank you. Thanks for getting the name for me. I think there's a lot of storylines like that. You know, how are those guys going to perform? So there, yeah. there's a ton of ifs ands with this particular matchup. Um, one more I want to give you before we go along. I, I know we don't know all the injury information right now, but if it comes out that David Montgomery is not going to suit up for this contest, you have to get Tariq Cohen in your lineups, especially from a daily fantasy perspective. Yeah, I think I think I'd be playing. Tree Cohen, if he was on my team, either way, as a flex option. Right. Um, I I think Detroit has a very good chance to win this game, and if this game is really competitive, then you expect to, uh, Tree Cohen to have to be heavily involved in the pass game, uh, especially if they're losing. And then, like you said, if if Montgomery doesn't play, then he's kind of like a smash. I mean, he's not going to get a bunch of carries. That's not who he is. But you'd have to expect that Chicago is going to have him more involved for sure. Yeah. It's very intriguing to, to monitor that situation. Um, you want to jump over to Green Bay and Minnesota? Yeah, so we've got a good old-fashioned NFC North rivalry here. What guys are sticking out for you? That's a tough one. So I, I guess let me start by saying that I don't think you can play either quarterback. I don't want to play Kirk Cousins in a world without Stephon Diggs. I'm, I'm going to wait and see. And I don't want to play Aaron Rodgers against this revamped Vikings defense, especially after they just traded Jacksonville for, what is it, Ngagwe? Am I saying that yeah, right? Correctly? I believe so, yeah. Okay. So I, I, the Vikings are a damn good defense, Wyatt. I think right. they were before they made some of the acquisitions that they made towards the end, getting closer to the season here. So I, I'm very nervous about every single person in a Green Bay uniform that is not named Aaron Jones or Devontae Adams. I think yeah. outside of those two who you, you are just playing every week, every other Packer has to sit out. On the Vikings side of the ball, I'm comfortable with Thielen. Mm -hmm. He's probably your wide receiver too or a high-end flex. And I think that even though we're not 100% sure what things are going to look like, you got to roll with Thielen. You got to let him go. I'm not playing the rookie. Is it Justin Jefferson Right. that I'm thinking of? I'm not playing him yet. I'm not quite there. Um. And obviously, if you have Dalvin Cook, you're playing Dalvin Cook. I'm probably not trying to flex Alexander Madison this early in the year. So hopefully you've got other available flex options that don't require you to maybe go down that far. So uh, I guess that's that's my opinion. I'm very curious who wins this actual football game. Yeah. But from a fantasy perspective, I think it's Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, Dalvin Cook, Adam Thielen. And if it's not those four, they're not playing for me this week. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think it's those four studs, and then everything else is a question mark that I'm probably not willing to take the chance on. Yep. Our next game is Miami versus New England, where we get to see the Cam Newton comeback begin. I'm pretty excited about it. I, I, I'm excited to see him play football again. Justin, what do you think fantasy-wise? Uh, well, first, before we go on to fantasy, the Dolphins are winning this game by 10 points. <laughs> That's bad. Are you coming out with that fire that early? Oh, yeah. I've been saying it all year, and I'm going to stand by this. I'm going to put this on recorded air right now, that at the end of the season, you can add the Patriots and Jets win totals, and they'll be less than the Dolphins by themselves. 
That's that, my hot take that, for the day. That is now, as, as hot as it gets. Let's get on to the fantasy side. Um, <laughs> I'm going to hold I you think, to that. <laughs> I, I think that if I had Ryan Fitzpatrick, I have a hard time not wanting to play him in this game. Unless I took, like, Patrick Mahomes and Ryan Fitzpatrick. But if I waited on quarterbacks and I'm looking at, like, Matt Stafford and Fitzpatrick, I'm playing Fitzpatrick. If I'm looking at Rodgers and Fitzpatrick, I'm playing him. If I'm looking at Breeze and Fitzpatrick, I'm playing him. If I'm looking at Cam Newton and Fitzpatrick, I'm playing him. I do think that this is a game where if you're looking at your flex options and you're thinking, man, Devontae Parker and Preston Williams might be the best options I have or Jordan Howard might be the best flex option that I have, this is the week to use them. We're really not sure what the Patriots are going to look like. They've had a ton of opt-outs. It's a whole new world and a whole new era for them. And historically, they have started the season slow and then started to ramp it up a little bit as they go. We've seen them play a lot of very good teams in week one and week two through the years and get caught out at the beginning. And this is a little bit different because it's Miami. But like, let's not forget that the season ended last year with Miami knocking off New England to give the Chiefs the bye that they ultimately rode to the Super Bowl. So mm -hmm. I'm very high on all kinds of Dolphins players this weekend. I do not think there's a single New England player that's on my radar except for James White. I'm not ready to play Cam Newton. Maybe I'm flexing Julian Edelman, but even that I'm curious about. I just I think that the Patriots are going to be about 7 to 10 points behind the majority of this game, and that really favors James White coming out of the backfield. I do think this game looks a lot different than their matchups in the past. Miami is a much, much, much improved team. And like you spoke of, New England's defense has gone way, way back. At least we expect it to with all the opt-outs and everything. They have uh, five starters from last year, and that's it. Less right. than half. Uh, if I have Cam Newton, he's at least in consideration. I mean, if I had drafted Cam Newton, I'd probably have another quarterback. So hopefully that other quarterback has a, be a better matchup. But I do think Cam Newton is playable. Um, you're right about James White. He's the only running back on New England I want. I'm flexing James White. I might flex um, Julian Edelman, though we don't know quite what that's going to look like yet. So I'm a little bit hesitant there. I like your call on Fitzpatrick, honestly, because if there's anything we know about Fitzpatrick in week one, he's going to fire it he's out there throwing. without a care. <laughs> he's, this he's is, this is the author of the what, what was it like with Tampa Bay, the, the yes. 700-yard game against New Orleans in week one? We will get the Magic this week. Yeah, I, I believe that is true. I see it coming. De, uh, Devontae Parker is one of the only guys in the league who is able to consistently beat Stephon Gilmore for the Patriots. We saw it last year. So I'm on the passing game for Miami. I don't want to touch Jordan Howard or Matt Breida this week. But if I have a piece of the Miami passing game, Mike Kosicki even too, uh, I'll play those guys. Yeah, I'm with it. That's I mean, let's let's go. Take the money line on the Dolphins. Let's go. <laughs> Moving on to uh, Philadelphia and Washington. We've got Philly, who's kind of limping into week one with a lot of injuries coming in here. And we've got Ron Rivera's debut coaching the Washington football team. We're going to see Antonio Gibson. What's going to happen there? What do you think about this? I think it's a very interesting matchup. It, I, it ought to be a blowout. I'm very, very, very down on how football team will be as a team this year. But I do think that the Eagles have enough injuries that they're going to make football team relevant. So let's let's go ahead and say, like, on, it, on an Eagles perspective, most of the guys that you think you'd want to play, go ahead and play. Right? The receivers are all banged up. So let's just go through it. Are we going to see Jalen Rager? Most likely not. He's expected to miss. 
Are we going to see Alshon Jeffrey? We're not going to see Alshon Jeffrey. Are we going to see Deshaun Jackson? We'll see Deshaun Jackson. Is there the, another the receiver that I know for 150 and two touchdowns against Washington? Is there another receiver I know the name of that we're going to see in an Eagles uniform? Like got Goodwin opted nope. out. No one that you want to play week one, Greg Warden, JJR, Thega Whiteside. You don't want to play those guys. So all of that suggests to me that Ertz and Goddard are right. going to go off. So obviously if you have Ertz, you're playing Ertz, but that's one that I want to make sure I put out there because that's kind of what I was building up to is yeah. that my, one of my plays of the week is probably going to be Dallas Goddard. Right. I don't think I'll have a daily fantasy lineup that doesn't contain Goddard at the tight yeah. end position. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Sanders is going to do what he expects to do. Are you worried about Carson Wentz putting up numbers for those of us who drafted him as a number one quarterback because we did it in rounds 9, 10, 11, 12? I have oh. a few shares of him on different teams. Should I be worried? I think a little bit because Washington's defense isn't that bad, and I expect their pass rush to be very good. Uh, I'd be a little bit worried because of Philly's injuries across the offensive line and Washington's good defensive line that they could disrupt Wentz a good bit. I don't think I'm sitting him, but I would, I would temper my expectations in the matchup. Wentz or Fitzpatrick? That's a tough one, but I'll go with Wentz. Oh, I'm the other side. Well, I know Wentz you are. Wentz or Minshew? <laughs> uh, Wentz or Minshew? Well, that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a tough choice every week because of the way we feel about Minshew. But week one, I'll, I'll stick with my guy Wentz. Really? Okay. All right. I mean, that, that makes me feel a little bit better. Um, on a football team side of things. I'll never get used to that, by the way, football team. I'm going to call them football team until they <laughs> pick a mascot. So I'm, I'm very <laughs> excited for, for these recaps and previews each week. Um, Scary Terry is playing for sure. I mean, yeah, I, we assume that he's your he's your wide receiver too, where he's a very, very highly picked flex on if your there, team. If, if so you got to roll him out. If there's a weakness on the Philly defense, it's their defensive backfield. So Terry, Scary right. Terry all the way. And then the big question that I think we're going to have from everybody is, Am I flexing Antonio Gibson this week? I would have trouble doing it um, in week one, but I have also drafted where I would never need to start him. Like, theoretically, everybody's drafted him that way because most people had their drafts before Adrian Peterson was no. released. No. Well, a lot, uh, a, lot of, every, a lot of drafts have happened. Uh, no. More than half of the leagues that I have been in, Antonio Gibson would represent the third running back on almost everybody's team from where he was being picked. Well, I would say if I drafted Antonio Gibson, I did not draft him so that I would have to start him. And even if I drafted him that highly, I would have a backup plan for week one. I would have a very hard time playing in week one because I'm just that risk averse. Yeah. I, would, I wouldn't fault anybody for playing him. Jonathan Taylor or Antonio Gibson? Jonathan Taylor, but that's because I feel very good about that matchup. Raquel Armstead is not play. Chris Thompson or Antonio Gibson? Chris Thompson. James White or Antonio Gibson? I think I'm going to go Gibson there. Okay. Singletary or Gibson? I don't want to play Singletary ever. Okay. So that's kind of the range. <laughs> I see where you're at. I see where you're at there from who he's ahead and who he's behind. I think that that's a good little buildup for people to kind of gauge where you would have him now I, I think we can segue real quick before we go on to the next one are you not going to post week to week rankings on the website still i'm posting week to week rankings on the website 
Okay, so if you do have specific questions Sunday morning about who you ought to play, Antonio Gibson or Player X, either hit us up on Twitter where we will be available or go to jwbfantasyfootball.com, take a look at the weekly rankings and kind of use that to gauge as well. Yeah, so our next game is Las Vegas versus Carolina, where we're going to get to see Teddy Bridgewater's debut as a Panther. It's going to be interesting to see what happens with this Las Vegas offense with all the new additions. Justin, who do you like in this one? Josh Jacobs, but he's a stud. DJ Moore, and he's a stud. I don't, I don't know. I don't have a lot past that. You know, obviously you're playing Christian McCaffrey. I don't even think we need to talk about him. Uh, I, I'm not interested in talking about Robbie Anderson at this point. It's, you better have better options than that. And I don't know how they're going to treat Ruggs and Edwards. And I don't know what target share Renfro is going to have yet. So I'm just a little too hesitant to play anybody. If, Darren Waller, if you have him. But yeah, you you're know playing Waller. Already. Yeah. Right. But as far as every other passing, like every actual wide receiver option that the Raiders have, including Derek Carr, if we want to put him into this conversation as well, are not playing for me this week. Um, I don't hate the idea of Teddy Bridgewater as a daily fantasy play if you're trying to go cheap at that particular spot. Yeah, I think this is another game where you've got your studs and then everything else is a question mark. Uh, it'll be interesting to see the way this game goes because these are two teams with not great defenses, but decent enough offenses with some talent there. So like it seems to have the making of a shootout, but at the same time, you don't feel great about the guys who aren't your studs. So it's hard to really want to play anyone else. Like, would I, would I be surprised if Curtis Samuel has 80 yards and a touchdown? No. Am I going to play him? No. No. Yeah, I'm with you. I think we're on the same page there. The next game we've got is Indianapolis and Jacksonville, where we're going to see Philip Rivers debut in Indianapolis. We're going to see what's going to happen with Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. Um, it's now Minshew's offense in Jacksonville. We're going to see what happens with this Jacksonville backfield. Who are you liking here, Justin? I am very interested in any Indianapolis running back. I would probably see what's up with Jonathan Taylor, and I would be comfortable flexing Marlon Mack if I found myself in the position to have to do that. Jacksonville is that bad on the defensive side of the ball. Um I think that this is an extremely good week for people who drafted T.Y. Hilton, especially if you kind of begrudgingly took T.Y. Hilton. A lot like I feel about Chris Carson, this is a week where I think you want to put T.Y. Hilton in your lineup, let him go off against Jacksonville, and see what trade value he has afterwards. Uh, if I took a bunch of quarterbacks late and I'm sitting on Aaron Rodgers and Phillip Rivers, I'm playing Rivers. If I'm sitting on Ben Roethlisberger and Phillip Rivers, I'm playing Rivers. And then on the other side of the ball, I love Minshew. I love Chris Thompson. I love DJ Shark. I, they're going to have no choice but to feed those two people consistently. If Raquel Armstead does not play, I expect that there's a lot of passing down situations that require Chris Thompson to be on the field. And he'll get a lot of design plays and a lot of checkdowns. He's going to be viable in PPR and half PPR. And he's another guy who might only be healthy for three weeks this year. So get him while you can. Uh, and then I don't see any reason why Shark wouldn't just do what Shark did last year and why Minshew wouldn't have the volume necessary. 
that might have some mistakes in it. He might go for 343 touchdowns and three interceptions, but he'll probably be throwing the ball all the way until the whistle goes off in the fourth quarter. So I am here for Minshew. This is the way I think this game is going to go. I think Indianapolis is going to go into halftime up 21-7, 24-7, where T.Y. Hilton caught a long one. You know, Marlon Mack ran in a touchdown. Jonathan Taylor ran in a touchdown. They're going to run the entire second half. I wouldn't be surprised if they run the ball over 30 times this game. Like, I definitely see Mack and Taylor both getting 15 or more carries this game. And then the entire second half, Jacksonville is going to have to throw the ball. And like you said, if I've got Chris Thompson, he is in my lineup no matter what for this week. And he is my, like, smash of the week for DFS. Like, there's no way I'm, I'm putting in a DFS lineup without Chris Thompson in my, in my lineup. I agree with that completely. The indie players are going to give you all the first half value. The Jacksonville players are going to give you all the second half value. And that's just how you would expect this to be. And hopefully that, you know, hopefully it goes that way. Now, you did mention about how you're really interested in Phillip Rivers this week. And while I agree, like, I think he's going to have a good week, I am worried about how much he actually passes the ball, and it may not matter. It's true. He might only have 25 attempts in a very yeah. conservative start to his Colts life, and that could be the case. I just think that if he does only have 25 attempts, it's because it's going very well. I also don't discount, and this is worth mentioning before we move on, I don't discount that despite the defense being bad, that Jacksonville might be able to score enough points to force teams like Indy to have to, to consistently to throw pass. the ball. And if Phillip Rivers has to keep throwing the ball until they score a touchdown with five minutes left in the fourth that turns it into a two-possession game, then we've gotten what we want out of him. I don't think that the Colts are going to run away 30-10 to 10 and Minshew's just going to be throwing for the sake of throwing. I think it's more likely that they just consistently stay 7-10 to 10 points ahead as they move into the 20s and 30s. I think that makes sense to me. The next game we're going to talk about is Cleveland and Baltimore, where we're going to get to see the debut of Kevin Stefanski's offense in Cleveland. It'll be interesting to see what he does with all of the skill position players there. And we're going to see how Baltimore reacts after getting bounced in the playoffs after being the talk of the town in the regular season. How are you feeling about this game? Terrible. I wish I didn't feel that way. And I think people who know us know that's because you and I are from Cleveland and we're Browns fans. Uh, if you have Nick Chubb, you got to play him, but I'm expecting to be disappointed. If you have Landry, sit him. If you have OBJ and you have the balls to sit him, more power to you. I wish that I could sit him because I don't feel great about it. Baltimore is such a good defense. I'm not sure what it's going to look like with Kevin Stefanski. Uh, I'm worried about every passing facet of the Browns this week. Mayfield, iffy. All the receivers, iffy. Hooper, iffy. I don't know. I'm worried about Chubb. Because I think the Browns might get blown out, I think Hunt has some value this week because he may be in for a lot more plays than I expect him to be, and he could be a flex play. But even that, I'm not real high on. More for me, it's about the other side of the ball. Um, I do want to point out real quick that because this is the first game of the year and everyone is fully healthy, this is not the week to take J.K. Dobbins out for a stroll and see what happens. I think you definitely play Ingram. Obviously, you're playing Lamar Jackson. I don't think that you give a second thought to even playing Marquise Brown. I, I just think that it, it, it lines up for Baltimore to be very motivated and much more cohesive than the Browns in their first game under a new head coach who has not coached a game yet 
So I, I just, I have a feeling that Baltimore is going to do what they need to do from a statistical standpoint, and it could get dicey for the Browns. Yeah, I, I think you're right. The, the stars for Baltimore are in your lineups no matter what, but you're not going to get too cute with the guys after that. For Cleveland, there's, I'm not playing Baker. It's not going to happen. I'm playing Odell, but I'm not feeling particularly great about this week. I'm playing Chubb, but I'm, I'm, you know, not that optimistic. I, you know, I'm tempered expectations. But the guys that I'm actually really interested in, and maybe this is more for DFS because, it, you know, like I said, if you have Chubb or if you have Odell Beckham, like you, you're playing those guys. But I think the guys that are actually going to have really good games are Landry, Hooper, and and uh, Cream Hunt working the middle of the field. Baltimore's defense is predicated upon the defensive line and their defensive backs. Their linebacking core is mediocre. So you're able to work the middle of the field against them very well. Jarvis Landry, even last year, had a, what it was, I believe, like a 160-yard game against them working the middle of the field. Yeah, That's where I think the Browns are going to have success. So I think if you drafted Landry, Hooper, Hunt, you're, you're good there. You can play those guys. You're still going to play, like, you're still going to play Odell Beckham and Chubb, like I said, because where you drafted those guys, it's tough to sit them, but you have to temper your expectations for those guys. I, I, I'm, just, I'm not on board with that one. I, I hear what you're saying. It's just my fear is that the Browns aren't going to sustain even enough drives through first downs to have a relevant amount of targets to Cooper, Landry, and Hunt. And I don't think it does anybody any good if Hooper has five targets, Landry has six, and Hunt has six. That's not quite enough for any of them to emerge. And I'm hoping that people have better options to use as a flex play than Landry or than Hunt if you don't. If you look at your team and that's just kind of where you're at, that you took Landry or Hunt because you thought you were going to flex them every week and you got to do it, like go for it. And I wish the best of luck to you. But I, I do think that everybody ought have at least one better flex option than any of those guys. I do think that this is actually going to be a close game, just one where Cleveland plays from behind the entire time, which is why I think that they'll pass the ball enough to to support those players. Um, but I, I, I do understand how cautious you are about them. The next game we're going to talk about is the Chargers and Cincinnati. We're going to get to see Joe Burrow start his era in the Football League, being the next big quarterback. At least I think so. We're going to see Tyrod Taylor taking over the offense for the Chargers. Anybody you really like here? Uh, yes, sure. I like not playing any Bengals that are not named Joe Mixon. And I'll talk about that in a second because I know they're very popular with everybody right now. It's very trendy to take Bengals wide receivers. Um, on the other side of the ball, I love Eckler. Again, he's a stud. I assume you're playing him. I really like Hunter Henry this week especially for the value that most of you got him at, taking him in the 8th, ninth, 10th round. Um, and I don't mind Tyrod Taylor if you are trying to stream quarterbacks in week one. I assume no one is. But I think Tyrod Taylor might have a very serviceable game for what goes on here. Um, but that that's kind of my play. Like you and I have talked at length on this show about what Tyrod Taylor likes to do and why guys like Keenan Allen may be in trouble this year. This is one of those games where I think that he's just going to find Hunter Henry early and often and keep doing it. And the Bengals are good enough that this game should stay close enough that Tyrod Taylor is going to have to keep giving the ball to Eckler and Henry throughout the whole time. Now on the other side of the ball, 
none of us know what Joe Burrow is going to look like. Even if he's good, none of us know who he prefers. And none of us know if he's going to spread the ball around. There's too many question marks for you to go out and play A.J. Green or Tyler Boyd or any other Bengals receivers at this point. Joe Mixon's going to do what he does, and you have to use him. You probably took him in the first or second round, but this is not the week to get cute with Burrow, and unless you do not have an option that's even remotely better than A.J. Green or Tyler Boyd, I don't think this is the week to use them either. Even outside of the fact, if they were playing a garbage defense, we still wouldn't know where Joe Burrow wants to go to the ball and what that's going to mean, but the Chargers are a damn good secondary and that doesn't help the situation here either. So for me, my fear is that any Bengals player outside of Joe Mixon that you pick has a massive ceiling and just as low a floor, and we're very risk-averse when it comes to playing playing matchups. I agree with you about the Bengals' passing offense. I mean, the Chargers have the best group of cornerbacks in the entire league between Chris Harris, Casey Hayward, Desmond King. Uh, I'm definitely not playing A.J. Green. More than just because of the matchup, because we want to see him on the field first before we really want to put him in our lineups. I may still flex Tyler Boyd, but again, temper your expectations there. For the Chargers, I'm actually looking to start uh, Tyrod Taylor as a week one streamer and definitely in DFS. The interesting stat, the Bengals actually gave up the most rushing points to quarterbacks last year in fantasy. Really? So... Like, I am all aboard the Tyrod Taylor train. Uh, we know what he likes to do. You know, he's a safe quarterback, but he's going to run. I wouldn't be surprised if Tyrod Taylor runs for 60 yards, you know, on Sunday. Uh, Keenan Allen, I think you could probably still play him just because the Bengals' defense is so bad. But uh, we expect the Chargers to win this game pretty handily. Um, I don't think they're going to pass very much. So Keenan Allen might only see seven six targets and that's that's probably not enough for Keenan Allen so I would be worried about that but like you said Eckler and Hunter Henry for sure are in my lineups okay I like that so just real quick inventory before we move on so DFS we're talking Tyrod Taylor Tariq Cohen Chris Thompson Dallas <laughs> Goddard and then all the money in the world to take all the elite receivers I like right. where we're going with this so far yeah, I, I actually, I mean, that is what I am uh, planning on doing. You know, I throughout the week, I like to try and look at the players that I want to start that, that might want to make my lineups. I compile a list of all the positions, and those are the guys who are there for me in, in those positions. Yeah, I mean, you can probably get Michael Thomas and Julio Jones with the discounts at running back and quarterback that we're talking about here. So we'll have to keep doing this DFS as we move through here. Um, all right, let's... Uh, Let's open the can of worms that is Tampa Bay and New Orleans. This this is by far my favorite game of the week. I mean, yeah, must see TV for who, people who really know me. The Buccaneers are my second favorite team. So, and I think this game is going to be just an absolute wild shootout between two of the oldest quarterbacks in the league, and I am all here for it. Tom Brady now is a Buccaneer. Brady versus Breeze. They've only actually played five times before, which is kind of wild to think about, considering they've both been in the league as long as they have. Breeze is actually up in the matchup three to two. What do you think happens? I think that the game is going to be a little bit disappointing. 
And I think it's because the Bucks defense is better than people give them credit for. And it's going to turn into a pedestrian day for the Saints offense. And I think that as much as we love all the pieces and parts and additions, that the Bucks are going to need a little time to gel. And the Saints are no slouch on defense. So I think the story that comes out of this is that despite the massive headline at quarterback here, the defenses are the story of the day. If you have the Bucks for Saints defense, I'd really, really, really be happy with that because this is the type of week where I could see pick six easily emerging for either of these teams. That's probably a good place to look for DFS defenses is either of these two. Um, for the rest of the fantasy matchups, there is not a Tampa Bay running back that I'm looking to play yet. I don't really want to see what's up between Jones and Fournette in my lineup. I want to leave them on the bench and see what happens. Uh, I don't know for sure that I want to unleash Tom Brady in this situation, but I'm comfortable with it. It's not like I'm going to recommend putting him on the bench. I just don't think he's quite as good as option as everybody else. Uh, I think the rest of the guys that are studs for Tampa Bay, you, you know you're using them. Godwin is not going to sit, and Evans is not going to sit. Gronk is not going to sit. If you have them, you're playing them. I just don't think they're going to go off, per se. Uh, and on the other side of the ball, like, I think Kamara is going to have a fine week, just not outstanding. Same goes for Michael Thomas. I'm not getting cute with Emmanuel Sanders or anybody else at this point. I'm not trying to play Jared Cook if I have to. And if I have Drew Brees and another quarterback, I might really be looking at that guy. Just to put this in my perspective for everybody else out there, I think that Fitzpatrick, Tyrod Taylor, Gardner Minshew, and Phillip Rivers are all better plays than Drew Brees in this particular matchup. I do think Tampa Bay has a much better defense than people give them credit for. They were outstanding at the end of last year. I'll give you that the Buccaneers defense is improved, but I – I, I just feel differently than you about this one. I think it's actually going to be just a shootout between Breeze and Brady, personally. I think uh, you're saying what everybody wants to happen. I just think these teams are going to be a little bit tighter with much better defenses than we give them credit for. And they're coached by guys who will have the defenses ready to do what they need to do. So, like, the idea that this is, like, a 45-40 to 40 game where Breeze and Brady throw for 900 yards, like, I'm just not on that page with you. I think this is going to be a very good 24-21 type football game where one team goes ahead, then there's a comeback, then an interception, and it goes back and forth, just not necessarily as an offensive explosion. Because the defenses are good. I actually think this is going to end up more like the New Orleans-San Francisco 49ers matchup last year where uh, those are two good defenses against each other, and then it became an absolute shootout because that was massive. they just outplayed the defenses. I think both offenses have enough talent to outplay the opposing defense. So I'm basically all over any of the big names for each of these teams, but I'll say that and it's a bold move to do, but I probably sit Mike Evans if I have Mike Evans. Yeah, Last year, Marshawn Lattimore, Marshawn Lattimore held him to zero catches and four catches between their two games. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. I didn't really. I guess I didn't have the the fortitude to go through with making that recommendation, but I'm on the same page with you for Mike Evans. It might be a very disappointing week for I, him as well. Um, yeah, I think if but you I, have any relevant options, you have to at least consider it. You got to look at them. Yeah. I mean, I think that's it. I, it's just there's so much new here that there's not a lot we can do with it. So I guess we probably just move on to Arizona and San Francisco, and we'll just note that we're, we're well aware that we'll probably have to spend at least five minutes on this game when it comes to recapping it next week to really break it down. Yeah. So, yeah, so Arizona and San Francisco, we've got the 49ers post-Super Bowl hangover, you know, 
is that going to affect them at all? We've seen it before where these teams lose the Super Bowl and then come back the next season and just really crap the bed. We're going to get to see DeAndre Hopkins in a Cardinals uniform for the first time. Who do you like in this matchup? I wish that this isn't who Arizona had to play in week one because I really, really want to be all in on their offensive personnel, but it's probably a little bit of a tougher – well, not probably. It definitely is a tougher matchup for them to have to start the season. Um, My issue is that Hopkins is too good to sit. Murray is too good to sit. Drake is too good to sit. I'm not interested in Fitzgerald or Kirk or some other option, but if you have those three – Hopkins, Drake, Murray, you got to go ahead and roll them out and hope for the best. Um, On the other side, Jimmy Garoppolo is not even in the conversation as a starting quarterback. Uh, With Debo Samuel injured, there are no facets of the passing game outside of George Kittle that should be played in this game. Um, But I do think that you should feel very comfortable playing both Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman. So I'll go ahead and put that one out there because I know there are people who may have to consider whether they play a guy like Tevin Coleman in their flex position this week. This is the type of matchup where Coleman ought to be able to get enough work to be a sustainable flex play. I think this is a really interesting matchup because of what happened last year where they had some pretty competitive games. And Kenyon Drake has played very well against San Francisco, which is pretty interesting. Also, Jimmy Garoppolo had two of his best games against Arizona last year, but that was because those games were so competitive that they kept throwing. I mean, he threw for four touchdowns in both of the games last year. Um, So this is tough. You know, I don't have the balls to start Jimmy Garoppolo basically any week, you know, uh, because at any point he could throw the ball 20 times. I'm still playing Kittle, like you said. I'd still want to play Moster and Coleman if I have them because I do think they're going to win the game, be ahead. They like to run the ball a lot, so you expect big things for those guys. Like you said, for Arizona, you're playing the top three guys, Murray, Hopkins, and uh, Kenyon Drake. But I, I am interested in this game in the way that I really don't know how it's going to go at all. I think it's going to be competitive, but it, but it could not be at all. Who knows? The next game we're going to talk about is Dallas versus the Rams. Two teams who really disappointed last year. Two teams that had serious playoff and possibly even Super Bowl aspirations last year, but neither of them may, managed to make the playoffs. How are you feeling about this game, Justin? Actually, I think this is the easiest one to look at out of all of them. The game itself would be a pretty good game in theory, but from a fantasy standpoint... Uh, you're going to have a quarterback that's a better option than Jared Goff. I can almost guarantee that. Um, I, you're, you're fine to play Robert Woods, and you're fine to play Cooper Cup. There's nobody else you want to mess with. You shouldn't be trying to play Cam Akers in his first NFL game when you're not sure how much work he's going to have. Daryl Henderson, it's, you know, he, we don't think he's going to have enough work to be relevant. Uh, Higby ought to be great from how Dallas was against tight ends last year. So, uh, you know, I, I, from a Rams standpoint, if I have Woods, I'm playing in pretty much any week anyway. Same thing with Cooper Cup. And if I have Higby, I can almost guarantee that he's your top tight end. So those guys are just full go. On the other side of the ball, like unleash every cowboy you have because why the hell not? Darwin ought to be viable, especially in half PPR and PPR. Michael Gallup is the best receiver on this team by far. 
Uh, this is the type of game where Amari Cooper probably won't give you the 10 points that he very often does. I think he's perfectly fine to still play. Uh, Dak will be great. You know, like I think pretty much everybody in Dallas is in play for me until proven otherwise. Yeah, I, I think this is going to be a really high-scoring game, just the way the teams match yeah. up against each other. You know, the Rams, their strength on defense is really their defensive line with Aaron Donald, but Dallas has one of the best offensive lines in the league, and you have Dak, who is good against the rush because of his ability to move around in the pocket and even run. Uh, I expect McVay to have a great game plan and great offense coming into the season. I, so like you said, uh, Woods and Higby and Cup. I'm all in on golf. I'm a little shaky on. Um, I think there are better options out there. I'm not going to fault anyone for starting him just because I, I do th expect it to be a high-scoring game. I agree with you. I'm not starting anybody in the Rams' backfield for this week because we need to see what's going to happen there. On Dallas's side, you're right. Everybody, basically the starters, you're starting all of them. And you might even be able to play C.D. Lamb. Uh I, because this is going to be so such a high-scoring game and you expect Jalen Ramsey to shadow um, Amari Cooper on the outside, I think there's a chance that CeeDee Lamb could end up being something this week. Our next game is Pittsburgh versus the Giants, where we get to see Big Ben return from his elbow surgery to see how he performs. We're finally going to get to see all the Giants' offensive weapons play the first snap together which is insane that this will be the first time that we see Saquon Barkley, Evan Ingram, Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton all on the field together. Which of these guys do you want to play, Justin? So for me, maybe second hot take here, I think the Giants are going to manhandle the Steelers uh, by a wide margin this week. And I think it's because of what you alluded to, that this is – what, like the first time that we're going to see Barkley, Shepard, Slayton, Ingram, Jones together? That's, that, that's very exciting to me. So from that standpoint, let me just go ahead and say that I'm comfortable with any of the Giants' options, um, except for maybe Daniel Jones. And I do think it's because there's going to be need for them to throw the ball throughout the game. So obviously Saquon is Saquon, but I do think that there will be plenty of looks to go around for Ingram and Shepard and Slayton in particular. So they're all flex-worthy candidates for me this particular week, even though the Steelers do have an admittedly great defense. Uh, on the other side of the ball, as much as I hate the Steelers, I do think that this is the type of week where you're going to get the results you're looking for out of Juju and out of James Conner, especially while James Conner is healthy and rested and ready to go. Uh, I am maybe even slightly intrigued about some of the other Steelers receiving options. Do you have a particular favorite for this week? Are you flexing Johnson? I would be interested in Deontay Johnson against the Giants. Yeah. Uh, it Giants seems like a good matchup for him. Secondary. Yeah, so I, I would feel really comfortable with any of the Steelers, um, it, even all the way down to Ebron. Like, if I had to play Ebron for some reason, I wouldn't think that it was going to be an awful performance out of him this week either. This, this is the kind of game where I expect it might turn into a little bit of a shootout because I think the Giants are going to be much better offensively than even a lot of us already think they're going to be. Uh, so I do think that there's going to be 
you know, some points put up by the Steelers. And even though it's a great defense, I think there's going to be some points put up by the Giants. I feel pretty good about a lot of the offensive weapons here. Um, but after this long a layoff, I think Roethlisberger is maybe going to be the one guy that I, you know, do not recommend playing, which is funny because you and I have observed personally quite a handful of teams this year that are relying on Ben Roethlisberger as their number one quarterback. But that he does make me nervous this week just after not seeing him for so long. I don't really know what to expect of him. I do think the game has shootout potential, like he spoke of, just like sloppy shootout potential. Yeah, uh, that's perfect. Yeah, and, and like, as you said, I think that uh, the Giants receivers all have some flex consideration to them, but I'm not interested in Daniel Jones because I think, like, while Daniel Jones will probably have to pass the ball enough to support his receiving options, I also expect him to turn the ball over probably three times this game. So yeah. while his skill players have um, some stats. I think his stats will not be very good. Um, the last game we're going to talk about is Tennessee versus Denver. Drew Locke is officially his team in Denver. It'll be interesting to see what that offense looks like now with the addition of Melvin Gordon and Jerry Judy. Tennessee is coming back basically the same team as they were last year, looking to make a Super Bowl run as they, they came actually pretty close last year. Who are you interested for this game? Well, how good is the Titans' defense? The Titans' defense is legit. and Legit? They did just sign Jadavian Clowney. Yeah. I think I'm off the Broncos. First of all, I don't think Drew Locke is good. Not from a fantasy standpoint, at least. So that's got to be out. I cannot say that this is the type of game flow that would make either Melvin Gordon or Philip Lindsay be great options. Um, I'm sure people who have Melvin Gordon are not looking to hear that as he's probably a very high-end flex or a running back too for a lot of people. But I don't think I would be playing Melvin Gordon or Phillip Lindsay this week. Um, and it's Cortland Sutton was just so bad at the end of last year. I don't think I can break him out either. Maybe if you have Noah Font and he's your best tight end, like, okay, you don't have a choice. But I'm probably off of most Broncos. Um, on the other side of the ball... I think Johnu Smith is is in for a decent enough game. Same with AJ Brown. I don't know that I really want to play Ryan Tannehill. If you have Derrick Henry, obviously you're never going to sit him. But I do worry, and this is interesting. I read a piece about this, and I haven't been able to get it off my mind, Wyatt, that visiting teams in particular are going to have a really weird experience in Denver this year where some factors like the adrenaline that carry you through some of the altitude issues are not going to be there in a game that doesn't really have fans at it. It's interesting. And I'm, yeah, I'm very, very curious about that particular theory that you're going to see more tiredness set in for players that are playing in Denver this year because there's less of a push for them to get up for. And that makes a lot of sense because we've seen that in all the other sports so far to this point that it has been an issue without fans. So I, I don't, I don't really love anybody in this matchup except for maybe just Derrick Henry. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the Titans don't have to pass the ball that much and both Johnny Smith and A.J. Brown end up being a little disappointing. I just wouldn't be sitting either of them based on how talented they are. But I, 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 I worry about a lot of different things going into this game on both sides of the ball. 
Yeah, I think this might be the game of the week that has like the least amount of fantasy points coming from it. These are two run-first offenses who have good defenses, who also run a uh, who run a slow pace on offense. So you don't expect a lot of offense to even really happen in this game. Like you said, Derrick Henry, you're playing him without a doubt. I'm playing uh, A.J. Brown and John Smith, but again, these are guys that maybe you have to temper your expectations for this week a little bit. On Denver, I don't think I play anybody. Like you said, maybe Noah Fant, maybe Cortland Sutton, because where you're drafted him, it's going to be really hard to, to take him out, but I'm not too interested in that. Um, I'm kind of enamored with Drew Locke just in general because he has this kind of like DGAF attitude of cockiness, you know, the same way that like Gardner yeah. does, does that I, I just kind of appreciate. Uh, but you're right. I, you know, I don't, I don't think he's uh, particularly good. And uh, I, I'm probably not ever going to be interested in him this year. It's, well, it's, it's not a very good game for fantasy. Well, look, I mean, this, since this is going to wrap it up as the last matchup, let me kind of give a breakdown then on Sutton and let you put together for everybody where he would be at like we did um, with some of the running backs. So, like, DJ Shark was being drafted after Sutton. Who would you rather play? Oh, I'm definitely playing Shark. I'm playing Shark over him no matter what. Like, basically, you know, we were drafting him ahead of uh, Sutton by a good bit, so that one's an easy one for me. Marvin Jones was going well after Sutton. Would you rather play Jones against the Bears or stick with Sutton against the Titans? I I think I'm going with Marvin Jones there because I expect wow. Detroit to have to throw so much in that game that uh, I'm going to take my chances with Marvin Jones against Sutton where I don't accept that, uh, expect them to throw the ball much at all. How about Tyler Boyd or Sutton? That's a tough one. Uh, I'll probably go with Sutton there just based on talent. Landry or Sutton? That is another tough one. You know, I did just talk up how I think Landry will have a good day in the middle of the field, so I'm going to stand by what I said. I think Landry's going to have a good good week. Okay. So, I mean, I think that places it. That means Sutton's like a fringe flex player for you at best. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. All right. I'm okay with that. I mean, that's not what people who drafted him are looking to hear from us, I guess, but it's realistic. I, mean, I agree with you for what that's worth. Well, I mean, it's, it's going to be a hell of a week, man. I'm excited. We've got a lot of football to come back to here in the next three or four days. Yeah. I mean, I am super excited for football to happen. We're so close. As Justin mentioned earlier, you can find our weekly rankings on the JWB Fantasy Football website. On Sundays, starting around 9 a.m., we're going to be on Twitter. You can ask us any questions you have at uh, the, to the show Twitter at JWB underscore FF. You can also find us on Twitter. I'm at YFB underscore FF. Justin's at JWill underscore FF. Join us next week where we're going to do a wrap-up on week one, and we'll give you a preview for week two. And we'll see you next time. As always, thanks for listening. Happy week one, everybody.